Hello, you're listening to Underscore, a podcast by the Chicago Graphic Design Club, dedicated to bring you conversations with Chicago's creative leaders. On this podcast, we'll explore the craft, theory, and practice of graphic design, plus discuss bold ideas that push the boundaries of what's possible and ways in which we can create a more thoughtful and inclusive community. To learn more about us, visit our website at www chicagographicdesign.club or find us on social media. Special thanks to the Chicago band 80 Slang for our theme music. Hello, I am today's host, Christian Solorzano, and I'm delighted to be welcoming back Carlos Segura. In 2022, he spoke with the Chicago Graphic Design Club about authenticity in design. And if you're new to design or if you're unaware of who Carlos Segura is, I definitely suggest you look him up. Since 1991, he's been running his studio, Segura Inc. In 1994, he founded T26 Type Foundry, and today he continues to create beautiful work with purpose, meaning, and immense attention to detail. And if you haven't done so, you should definitely check out his interview with Chris Doe of the future. He goes a lot into his upbringing, history, and so forth. So it's definitely worth a listen, and I'll do my best to not repeat so, so many questions that you probably get uh, asked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so welcome, Carlos. Uh, very happy that you're here. Um, Thank you. The last time that we spoke, you were in Florida. Are you are you still in Florida, or are you in Chicago <laughs> Um, no, I'm I'm currently in um, in Chicago. I'm back in Chicago, and at the end of the month, we'll be leaving for Barcelona for two months, and then come back to Chicago for a week, and then go to Florida until May. Okay, until May so, of next year. May of next, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. We have a, we have an, a small little office there. Nice. So yeah. you so how 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 much time do you spend in Chicago a year? It seems like you escape the winters. Yeah, we pretty much, uh, it's worked out that way, although we don't always go to Miami for the winter. Like I said, we're going to be going to uh, Barcelona, although um, before the COVID, we were planning to go to Barcelona for a full year, but that was uh, changed. We're, we're kind of all over the place. In general, we, we were in Miami from uh, November to May. Okay, got it. Nice. So, um, so I have a question. So you, so you bet you, I, I, I follow you on Instagram and it seems like you're always up to something. Um, you're always doing amazing work, great projects and something that I haven't really heard you speak about, um, is what does a day in Carlos Segura's look like? Uh, what do you like? What's your, yeah, I know you, you, you work, you, you work by yourself, you're working from your studio, you're work, you're able to travel and work from Chicago and other places. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just what, what does your day, typical day look like? How do you, how do you, how do you work? Well, I mean, I think, uh, I'll try and keep this as interesting as possible because I know when I hear this answer on other podcasts, I, I <laughs> disconnect, but, um, Generally speaking, I believe that all creatives have their own method and process. And for me, my process is um, I, I usually start around eight-ish. Uh, it's funny because 
my whole career, I have been uh, one who doesn't need an alarm clock because my mind wakes up before my body does. Mm-hmm. And usually it wakes up because I'm thinking of something creative, which is a blessing, I believe. Yeah. And uh, so generally, I mean, I don't really do any physical labor, meaning that I don't uh, uh, build things. I'm a very heavy believer in comp. Uh, I'll get into that in a second as to what I mean. But I generally uh, think and and develop and dream in the morning and execute in the afternoon. Okay. And back to the comp comment, I, as you know, I'm a big uh, fan of print and collateral and physical object design, although obviously I'm into new media and tech and web and all that kind of stuff. But but when I create something, I don't start on the computer. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Let's say I do a, a book or, or a large format catalog or whatever it is. I'll always build the blank paper comp first to see how it feels in my hand. Mm-hmm. Thickness, the weight. The, and I do it with the papers that I plan to produce it in because mm-hmm. it makes a difference. So I then design to that comp that I build. Mm-hmm. I don't start on the computer and then build the comp. Okay. So I, I, I it works for me. I, I don't know if it works for everyone, but I, I really do like the, how something communicates physically with a human. So yeah. I, I love doing that. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I, I, for me, I, I work in a strictly digital medium, mm-hmm. and yeah to like print design to me sometimes just feels so foreign because i don't do it you know yeah so it's, it's nice to it's see a tricky you. thing it's a tricky thing because uh even i i mean with all my years of experience have often fallen into the trap of designing something in the computer sending it out for a test print which i always do mm-hmm. and find that uh, the font that i thought looked good on the screen doesn't look good physically mm-hmm. it's not the right either too big or too small or too thin or too thick or it's really interesting how the physicality of a of an execution changes the feeling mm-hmm. uh, so I, I always do a an uh, as as quality comp test as i can before okay. i do something and what is that so 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 you wake up and you said you spend your first you know first part of the day just daydreaming and is that coming up with project ideas? Is that working through a client's problem? Is it? Is it? It's, it's, it's a wide range. It's a really large variety. Sometimes there may not even be a client involved. I'm, I'm also a, uh, a, a a big you know believer in creating even if you don't have someone to create for. Yeah, <clears throat> because it's a good policy for yourself just to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, an experiment um it's it's akin to being a musician when you go in the studio and you just you know write music to for the sake of creating and then something gels and then you make something and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have to be a client involved or yeah. a painter for that matter you know yeah <clears throat> yeah because I, I i've noticed that a lot of a lot of your projects or, or some projects that you post on in your instagram for example they seem to be self-initiated projects yeah. Yeah. and and you almost provide yourself with your own prompt and you yeah, sort of I do. 
Yeah. I I do, and I also self-produce them. Uh, some that come to mind was, uh, I don't know if this is the one that you're referring to. I did one called Litter, Little Litter, mm-hmm. which is a study on, you know, we produce so much litter as human beings, <clears throat> but we often think of the obvious litter, like when you say buy a... Uh, Uh, a shirt let's say Mm. for example all the packaging that comes on a shirt the sticker that says approved by number nine or the Mm. the tag that's on there. there's probably four or five tags or or even the string that's on there holding the tag and that's actually two two obvious of the objects that i have in my litter project i'm talking about let's say you buy a sticker sheet and you 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 use a sticker right well, when you use a sticker, all the pieces that came in that sticker sheet, the, the envelope that it was in, the, the paper that is backing and all that kind of stuff, and the sticker. And even then, after you use all that up, there's still litter left, which is the outline of the sticker, the little holes yeah. that are left to pull the sticker out. So that's the kind of like deep dive that I want to feature on these things, which ironically creates some amazing graphics. Yeah. You know? uh, so I just found that visually interesting so i created this book called little litter yeah and have has your has your process changed much since you know since you started cigarette ink or have you sort of almost always existed through the same you know process style well the my personal process has never changed because i also believe that the process you bring to the table is born in you and dies with you mm-hmm. um but my method has changed because there was a time when we had 18 employees and I when we had as you know I've been a one-man show since I think 2006 Uh, but before that my process was what I used to call the totem pole uh, uh, well let, let me rephrase so I generally believe that life is follows the totem pole concept, meaning that there's always somebody at the top and someone at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's just nature. Uh, but I never followed that format in my process. I did a horizontal process, mm-hmm. meaning that when we would get a project, I would assign the project to the entire team. I never assigned project to specific teams. So anybody mm-hmm. that worked here had an opportunity to dive in. Mm-hmm. And um, I would invite everyone to participate. There were two rules. I want everyone to participate and definitely do not go into the no room. Mm-hmm. The no room meaning that don't not do something because you think the client didn't ask for it or doesn't want it or can't afford it. Let's create what we can create and then examine what we have and then present the client the best thing we think they should do. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible uh, and beautiful process because we found that um, in quite a few cases, you know, some of our interns, for example, would would kick our butt. To be honest with you, you know, they were just the the work was so great, and uh, then whoever whoever's work was uh, was uh, selected would lead the team to production, and everyone else would help. Uh, the team do the best job we could to uh, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It was a really good way to involve everyone. Uh, everyone uh, took ownership. 
and felt like uh, there was a possibility for them to, uh, you know, rise above it, you know, mm -hmm. good, good opportunity for everyone. And it worked out for us for, for as long as we had, you know, this group. Mm -hmm. And and now that and now so you said you've been you've been a one man team since 20, 2006. Um what it what is what has that been like or how does that do you do you ever find yourself getting into, you know, going up again like just feeling like you're facing the wall and you can't really bounce ideas off of anyone or like how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, I do miss that a little bit if I'm being totally honest here. Uh, I mean, I have some people that I respect enormously in the business that are close friends as well including mm -hmm. the friend that i'm going to go be with in barcelona mm -hmm. i basically use him as my sounding board in fact i i have nicknamed the maestro <laughs> i just i just respect him so much his name is kin masana mm -hmm. he has a studio in barcelona called petit comité and, uh, but I, I do miss that interactivity, but I also love the, the utter freedom to be able to just have my fingerprint on something, be it good or bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I think generally speaking in life, you kind of have to accept the consequences of your choices, uh, whether they're good or bad. And my consequence of being single mm -hmm. is that I miss talking to other people, you yeah. know? But I also gain a lot of things that are valuable to me yeah. where I don't, uh, I can have my voice clear and uh, in the forefront as yeah. I see fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, that I mentioned, that I heard you mention on the podcast with Chris Doe was that in when, when you were growing up, you sort of, you almost had, you were almost presented with like a blank slate of you could sort of become who you want to become. And if I remember correctly, like you almost received, um, I don't know if guidance is the right word, but you almost were, you were, you were presented with the opportunity to sort of make what you want out of your life. Is that, would that be a correct assumption? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it sounds more majestic the way you put it, but um, <laughs> I grew up in a, you know, tricky situation. And like you pointed out, uh, if someone wants to hear it, they can listen to the Crystal Project. You probably don't want me to repeat everything I said there, but um, it was uh, frankly a, a miracle that I even became who I became mm -hmm. uh, based on the scenario that I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and it's... I mean, I, I really honestly don't even have an answer as to what to attribute it to because I have yeah. no education, I have no training, I have no yeah. experience. Uh, very quickly, I, I was based, I mean, my plan was to be the drummer. I was a drummer at the time and that was going to be my plan. I was going to be a drummer for the rest of my life and it, I chose to make a change to do something else purely by accident. I had no guidance yeah. as to whether that choice was right or not. But, but um, so I say it was luck, but I mean, obviously I worked hard, but then, mm -hmm. then again, you know, you go back to the point where there's many people that work hard and they don't make it. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't honestly have the answer. I, I get asked this question a lot and I am embarrassed to not be able to pinpoint it, but then I also think I shouldn't be embarrassed because maybe some things just don't have an answer. You know, I don't know. 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I think you still... I mean, I, I don't think there is any shame in something like that because I think it's a it's a great story and I think it's inspire. I'm sure it inspires a lot of people. And I think to me, that's the greatest form of success is when you could when someone could hear a story and say, you know, I identify with Carlos in that regard. And, you know, if he could do it, you know, I could probably do something similar to that. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. And I have to tell you that in all my years of doing interviews and podcasts and, and, and shows and presentations and all that kind of stuff, I have never received more messages, emails, texts, uh, you know, uh, posts referring to uh, Chris posts, Chris Doe's uh, podcast that I yeah. did. The, it, 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 I, was, I was absolutely and utterly shocked how many people I've touched around the world. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I had no concept of what that would, uh, frankly, I'm not even sure why. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it was just an honest conversation between Chris yeah. and I. Um, but it apparently touched a lot of people and I'm quite moved by it. And I've been saving all these comments. And in fact, I sent them to Chris and he was blown away. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I, so, so for me is, um, I, I was, I was raised by a single mother. She came here as like a first generation, you know, Mexican and, um, and just being raised by a single mother and growing up in a particularly rough part of town in Chicago, mm -hmm. I feel like I had so many things like working against me and a lot of my peers yeah. and a lot of the people that I grew up with, like they, to this day, like they're not doing so great. And, and yeah, like sometimes people ask me the same questions, like, how did you manage to like, you know, go to college and get a job and like do all these things. And I, I'm like, I do not know other than just showing up and yeah. doing what you got to do. And I feel like that's just, it's, it's not a, it's nothing yeah, it's not. I don't think it's like the answer that sometimes people want to hear. <laughs> it's just like, well, you know, like I said, I, I I just don't think some some questions have answers. Yeah, uh, you know, life has a way of throwing shitty things at you and also good things at you. And there's sometimes the receiver just has to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah, um, I have a special place in my heart for for Mexico. I, I part of the story that. When we came from Cuba, we uh, were forced to go to Mexico first. And of course, when we left Cuba, we had nothing because we uh, Castro took everything from us. The only thing we had was what we were wearing. And we landed in Mexico, my mom and dad and, and four brothers. And uh, they must have looked very, very lost because when we landed at the airport, there was a a very wealthy couple who was waiting for their daughter to land from a vacation in Cancun. And apparently they saw my parents and approached them and asked them if uh, they needed any help. And my parents, of course, told them the story and they took us in right there at the airport, took them, took us to their house and we lived with them for six months until mm -hmm. we got our feet on the ground. And then we came to Miami where I grew up mm -hmm. and uh, they were friends for their whole life, for the rest yeah. of their life, they were friends. Yeah. And it, was, it was just incredible. One of the beautiful things this gentleman did for me, I was eight and a half years old 
and he bought me this little outfit, this Zorro outfit, mm-hmm. where I had this big, uh, you know, hat and the and the mask and the gun, yeah. and he had a huge German Shepherd that I used to use as my horse. <laughs> <laughs> And I have a picture of that at his house. It was really amazing. That's awesome. I love stories like that. Yeah. So, so you, so you come, so you came to Chicago in the eighties and then in 91, that's when you founded Segura Inc. Um, and right now, so I see your, I, I, I see you on Instagram and I, and I always see that you're that one, you're very active and people when, and you, and you're actually the person that runs your accounts. Like it's not yeah. assistance and you're commenting and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've noticed that you, that you have multiple accounts. So you have the documentary den and you have yeah. type and then you have seen by Segura. So yeah. um, how and has six and mototype and hatch heaven? Yes. I... <laughs> so how do you, how do you just balance um yeah, just how do you how do you how do you balance the social media? Um... Well, I I don't see social media as a separate thing. I see okay. it as part of my existence. That's just okay. part of who we are today as human yeah. beings on this planet. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's not a separate thing for me. It's it's just an arm of the things I got to do. And frankly, the way I look at it is, I personally as a as a human I need distractions. I can't be on one thing all the time. So I love being able to switch between T26 and Car Type and Segura and Hatch Heaven documentary and all those other accounts that I have. Mm-hmm. Cuz I find them to be um basically educational training sessions for me. Yeah. I mean the things that I learn every day is absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, if I believe that if, if you're an idiot today, it's because you want to be an idiot. I mean, there's just no other answer to it because all the answers on the in the history of the planet are at your fingertips. Yes. And you can learn so many things by just exploring. Yeah. So I absolutely adore exploring. I'm a huge fan of my uh, uh, documentary and yeah. uh, feed on Instagram because I just cannot tell you how much I learned with that. It's just absolutely amazing. And I think it's just also a great way to just archive things. Yes. And just it's, it's a reference, you know, it's a it's a form of it's a modern day scrapbook, if you will. Yeah. 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 I, but I also love the part of sharing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love the part of uh, exposing these uh, little tidbits of, of jewelry, informational jewelry. I uh, I get a kick out of it. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> so what are so what have you what have you been working up uh, on lately? I saw your latest project on your Instagram for um Celsius Films and I thought yeah. that was so it was beautiful. Um I that 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 project has not gone live yet, is that correct? Well, believe it or not, that project is is uh Let me see when did I do that? I did that some actually did that a few some years ago. And I just happened to post it because, because I'm so far behind, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just going to admit it. Um, I, As you pointed out, I have so many projects that I am involved in that sometimes I fall behind. One of my, one, one of my absolute loves is my project for car type. Okay. Um, I'm an enormous car fan, but not in the traditional sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I should say, in the traditional sense, but in addition to the traditional sense, 
I am a fan because of what, to me, the car industry uh, encompasses. Yeah. Uh, frankly believe it's one of the greatest things humanity has ever done mm. and the reason why we've all expanded our mind if you know anything about the car industry you'll know that um, before henry ford invented the model t almost 99 percent of all humans on the planet didn't venture out more than five miles from the place that they grew up in or were born for their entire life mm -hmm. I mean, that's an incredible statement. Just think about that. Yeah. Uh, and the, the achievements and efforts that it takes to create a vehicle in every aspect of the supply chain is just unbelievable to me. And every single thing was touched by a human being, was designed by a human being, tested by a human being, marketed by a human being bought by a human being. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. The process that it takes to make something in that sector yeah. and the risk and the expense and blah, blah, blah. And even if, even if you took all of that off the table, specifically my website, cartype.com is an effort to archive the history of the automotive industry through typography. Mm -hmm. So I've combined three things that I love, design, typography, and automobiles. Mm -hmm. So one of my, one of the things that keeps my head, you know, super busy these days, I've been creating a series of books that archives the stories behind every single logo, what they mean, why they were named that way, who named them, who designed them, how, what, you know, I mean, it's just, it's an extensive, um, process and because i'm a one-man show i mean i'm just behind all the time so that's that's <laughs> what this song does and by the way i shoot all the photographs i go to all the cars i mean everything is done by me so yeah it's a bit of a handful yeah i love that and i and i think i agree to what you said earlier like it's nice to know that it's like your entire fingerprint on it and like yeah. you know you're responsible and yeah yeah, I, I I identify with that as well. And I mean, could it be better? Sure, it could be better. I mean, but yeah, but you did it. Work. Like you, you yeah, know, you, I did. you know, you did it. And yeah, I did it. So it's fine. I don't care. So and it'll get better. It'll just keep getting better the more you do it. And and yeah, I I like that. Yeah. So um, so what have you? So you're so you're gonna be going to Barcelona um soon. Um, are there any like new projects or anything that you've been working on lately that's just been like yeah. exciting yeah. or the, anything that you could share with us? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I've uh, grown to, uh, well, not grown, I, I've always done this, but I'm doing it more is I've decided to donate my creative services for free to nonprofit organizations that I believe need help. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, for the last four or five months, I've been working on rebranding and redoing every single thing for the Chicago Korean Dance Company. Okay. We just had a meeting last night. Uh, so I have been just building all of the materials. We're hoping to launch a new website in the next few weeks, but also um, come out with a series of books and posters and a bunch of collaterals. Uh, archiving the history of the Korean dance culture and what all their outfits mean and their what their dance mean, where they were born, how, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. beautiful historical perspective. And 
it's taken a bit of time, uh, but, um, you know, because it's hard to create things like this when you have no money. Mm -hmm. but, um, we've got a lot of people that are willing to contribute and uh, some pretty amazing photographers that have agreed to jump on board. Yeah. So, uh, we're in the process of building that and hopefully it'll come out soon. Yeah. I, I always find it so unfair sometimes when you see great like nonprofits with with a great vision and mission yeah. that yeah. simply can't afford to professional design services it's and as a result they just yeah. they, they 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 look bad you know they look bad they're the worst <laughs> ever you know that's the it, it's a good point that you bring up because here here these organizations are simply the exist to feature and showcase their beautiful history mm -hmm. and they have no venue to do it yeah so I'm I'm gonna take this opportunity on your podcast to ask our community to select a nonprofit. If you're a design firm or professional designer, so let's join forces and select a nonprofit and do work for them uh, to help them out. Pick whoever you want, mm -hmm. whatever touches you. Pick whoever you want, and um, you know make make the world a better place you know i i do have uh, a couple of little policies that i that i try to follow when i do nonprofit work mm -hmm. especially for free which is i have two rules on my agreement that i believe you've seen on my website are they are they different or do, do you have like a different business card for for pro bono work <laughs> i i don't have a bit a separate business card for pro bono but i have a separate section on my contract and calling a section is a bit uh, <laughs> exaggerated because it's two lines. Uh, and one of them is I have final say because mm -hmm. you're not paying. So yeah. if, if you don't like what I do, that's perfectly fine. You're perfectly free to keep what you have. Yeah. But if I'm going to go in here and donate everything for free, I have final say. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the two lines. The other one I can't remember right at this point. <laughs> <clears throat> Not if you don't, I think it's phrased. If you don't pay, I have final say. Okay. So, and and what about what about the um, the the whole the, the one about like if your wife brings you like a sketch that she did or something like yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find it because it's actually pretty interesting. <clears throat> it's not a uh, that's on not on my agreement. That's on my business card. Yeah. Um, let me see. I will not use your wife's favorite color. That's that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I will not use I will I will not agree with everything you say. I will not always say yes. I will not use your favorite your wife's favorite color. I will not assume the target is stupid. I will not rely on focus groups. I will not make the logo bigger. And I will not do something that's been done before. Yeah. So uh so 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 something I, I always really appreciate about your work is that it's always like there's always uh, like such strong attention to detail and like everything you do just feels so smart. Like it's just so clever. And it's like, of course, it would be that like it could not be that um, it just seems like so obvious, you know, um, that's so beautiful for you to say. It. I thank you so much, because I mean, honestly, that's really the biggest award I could possibly get. Yeah someone to recognize that like even your your um documentary den like logo type like the the it's like the two d's and they're yeah. together and they're literally <laughs> documentary den and they're making 
a den of documentary like it's just you know it's of course like that that like it needs to be that it can't be anything else but that <laughs> i just made a presentation last week to shopify on branding and that specific subject how to be smart and yeah you know again not talk down to people blah 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 mm-hmm. and the the comments that i got in that presentation were very similar to the one that you just gave me which mm-hmm. was so it was so touching. It was just so fantastic that a creative person like me or anybody else can work and try to achieve that kind of messaging mm-hmm. and, and it be received and recognized and, and acknowledged. I mean, that's the best pat, pat on the back you could possibly get. Yeah. You know? And, and have you seen any, um, have you seen, for instance, like the rise of things like social media or just design becoming something that is like, I, I still remember when I was in college, <laughs> I used to buy design magazines and you would, you would see work in them that you wouldn't be able to see anywhere else. And I think sometimes for myself, I could, I, I feel a little bit overwhelmed by just like the sheer number of just visual stimuli of design that's just like nonstop like you you know you you could spend all day just looking at beautiful type on the internet and i don't know like for me for me me it's it sometimes becomes a little bit overwhelming so i what i've done is i've set boundaries and i know that when i'm when i'm working on a project um i almost avoid looking at other graphic design yeah Um, well, I mean, I have a lot to say about this. So I there's there's many, many things to to observe. I think obviously, and I am like you, I used to use uh, magazines at the time before the web mm-hmm. as as a, as a you know expansion of the mind, I guess. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, the problem maybe is that there's just so much of it. Yeah. but that really isn't the problem. I think that the problem is that, we're so enamored with effect as opposed to concept. Mm-hmm. And I've always believed that if you're any kind of designer that's worth your weight, it's pretty easy to do cool, mm-hmm. but it's better to do cool and smart. Yeah. And I think we forget the smart part. Yeah. And so we're we're so uh consumed by making something look uh funky or or fancy or uh, full of effects and all that kind of stuff but we forget the idea Mm -hmm. and you know i like beautiful things as much as the next guy but after a while it's like going to europe and seeing these beautiful churches after Mm -hmm. you see three or four they all look alike yeah um after you see you know five or ten amazingly done and they are amazingly done but uh, lacking of concept mm-hmm. uh, pieces of work on the web, you just start to think, oh, God, I don't know. So I think what's happening, if I may be so bold as to say, is that the up and coming designers uh, that perhaps don't have enough experience under their belt are defaulting to something that's just wow, has a wow factor visually. Mm-hmm but isn't based on a strategy or a concept or an idea or even something majestic, you know? So um, I think that maybe trying a little bit harder is, uh, is due. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to your point earlier, 
you mentioned that my work is is uh, very simple but smart, and I think that that's okay. You know, it's not. Some of it is 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 uh, you know uh, fancy, I guess the word you could call, uh, with the facts and so forth. But I don't believe not any of them are lacking a a uh, a message or an idea or a reason for existing. Even down to things like I'll give you an example. We did this uh, brochure for Corbis that featured images from the 1920s that were mm -hmm. all black and white that were for the Batman archives. Yep. The conceptual delivery of that piece was couched around the paper we printed it on, mm -hmm. which was we went out of our way to purchase new old newspaper stock, new old stock of newspapers mm -hmm. from the 30s and 40s. And it was very difficult to find this paper, not because it was difficult to find the paper, but it was difficult to find old paper that would survive new presses because they all ripped. They were very delicate. Yeah. So we wanted this piece to look, feel, and smell like you had just picked up from a news, news uh, vendor in yeah. on the street corner in 1950. Okay. So even down to things like that is the level of detail that that I try to bring to to a project. Mm -hmm. Something that is probably completely invisible to the user. Yeah. Not to the user experience. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And so, so what would you say? Like, what sort of so, something we always ask our guests are um, the question is, what like what would you say to let's say a designer that's just finishing college or a designer that's just entering the field like what sort of yeah just what sorts of words of wisdom would you would you say to them well like so someone someone that wants to come in and they're very enthusiastic about just wanting to change the world with graphic design because i think a lot of people just have this idea that you know i'm going to design to one poster that like ends world hunger and it's going to be everywhere it's going to be in the history books so like what would you what would you say to someone that's overly ambitious and, well first uh, of all i'm going to tell you that that's not going to happen and also just be true to yourself yeah. i mean and, and that, that means so many things and god i've heard that a thousand times but it, there's really some basic advice that just needs to happen the mm -hmm. most basic is that nine out of ten of you are not going to make it that's yeah. just the reality of life yeah. And so if you want to be that number one, the mm -hmm. one of those nine of, of those 10, then you got to like be true to yourself and not be afraid of showing who you are. Yeah. Like take a risk, you know, be mm -hmm. strong and be honest with your delivery of what you think who, who you are. Now that doesn't mean you're going to make it either, mm -hmm. but I mean, I'll give you a head start. Uh, the, 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 the problem with advice, as I told Chris Doe, is that it's kind of bullshit, you know, yeah. because I could give you step-by-step uh, -step directions of every single thing that I did, and it mm -hmm. probably may not work for you. Shit, it may not even have worked for me if I repeated it, mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of like it's in the stars, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you have talent that's unique and special, then your job, your responsibility is to get that out there. Mm -hmm. Not do what other people ask you to do. Do what you need to do. Show mm -hmm. them what you are. Show them who you are. People can't see who you are unless you show them. 
Yeah. You can't expect them to visualize something they can't see. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just a matter of having personal strength to dedicate yourself to your craft and bring it out to the masses. Mm -hmm. It may work. It may not. Who knows? But I mean, you got to try. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm with you on that. And then, and I have another question. Um, so you've been in Chicago for some time and we, the, one of the things that the Chicago graphic design club is always trying to do is we're always trying to figure out new ways to, to fill in the gaps or to bridge the community or to sort of bring awareness to people like yourself, to, to talks, to other designers, to other ways of working. So, um, and the, the design club really came as a result of me feeling like there was just a lack of community in Chicago, um, particularly like right when the pandemic started. Like, I just felt like a lot of us were just very fearful and, and, and I think design is always at the intersection of everything. And I mm -hmm. think design is always a means to a call to action and a means to respond to things. So we were formed, um, as a byproduct of that. Okay. So now that, you know, that the world is, you know, we're doing things in person now and we're, you know, not forced to wear masks and so forth. We are, we, we, we're just always asking ourselves the question of what could we do to make Chicago be, you know, be a little bit better when it comes to, to our industry and to make us, make us feel a little bit more empowered and to, you know, put Chicago more on the map. Cause I, from, from, from stories that I hear is other conversations that I've had with other people, um, Chicago appears to have been like a design hub, like in the nineties, like there was a lot of great design happening here. Yeah. And I think I wasn't around to, to witness that. And I certainly don't feel like that's happening today. Yeah, I agree. And, um, yeah, so like we're we're just always asking ourselves this question is like what could we do? Like how could we you know, make people want to come to Chicago because Chicago is known for its XYZ, you know? Well, I I've always been surprised by the lack of uh involvement in our community and I will be the first to raise my hand and 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 uh admit guilt because I'm not too much of a club community mm -hmm. kind of guy i'm a bit of a loner in mm -hmm. fact i would venture to say that i'm almost shy but um it's interesting because chicago has always been known and i go back to the 1800s uh, when j walter thompson first opened up its doors here in chicago um chicago has always been known as an advertising hub of the united states not just Illinois. Mm -hmm. And um, it was basically known as a packaged goods advertising community. And almost every brand and every agency was here and created some incredible historical work. Um, and then, as you point out, in the uh, 80s and 90s, and even into the early 2000s, it was uh, uh, famous for a lot of creative, including house music, for example. Mm -hmm. Even if you go before house music, we were famous for the blues and then for the jazz. Yeah. Um, 
And if I can even go further back, creatively speaking, it was known for cars in the early 1900s. Motor Row on Michigan Avenue was uh, the hub for every car manufacturer had a dealership on Michigan Avenue, most of which were electric vehicles. Uh, but I digress. But anyway, my point is that in the 90s, with the likes of Brick Balasani, one of my heroes, uh, and, you know, at the time VSA was just become was a was a hot shop. I mean, they're still around. They're still great. But they were much smaller back then. It was it was us, uh, 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 Thirst, uh, VSA and a couple of other design firms that were kind of like putting Chicago on the map. And then I don't know, something happened that it just kind of like all got conservative, I feel, mm -hmm. after the Barnbrook years, yeah. the experimental uh, uh, Ray Gunn and Carson, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we we got so experimental that then somehow I feel like we got afraid and mm -hmm. we, we just came back and, you know, sorry. <laughs> he doesn't like skateboards. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I feel like we got a little bit conservative and went back into hiding, for lack of yeah. a better word, you know? Yeah. Uh, and um, But I think we're starting to get out of it a little bit. I think that the creative that's been happening for the last five, five to seven years, I, I, I feel an incredible curve uh, mm -hmm. of difference. It, it's just so beautiful, so clean, so... Uh, well-produced and so creative. And I feel more than ever, more design firms are are, are trying harder mm. than they were before. I feel like packaged goods and, and general consumer products were just lazy. I mean, go to any grocery store and there's proof of it all around you. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I feel like a lot of stuff is really coming out and really beginning to, to show uh, the capabilities that we bring to the table with designers. Yeah. But to your question, though, I don't know. I think you're doing a great job. I mean, first of all, congratulations and kudos to you for even making an effort because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so I think that you and people like you who do these podcasts and, and make an effort to share conversations like we're having now with with other people um, is, is, is an absolutely awesome way to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And maybe through your channels, uh, you know, expand the invitations that I just made, for example, about the pro bono work. Maybe we can all get yeah. together and organizations like yours can create a specific program where we say, hey, let's get a page on our website. Let's uh, invite design agencies to to join our pro bono project and we can pick uh, clients that need help with and match them with agencies that are willing to help and you know, yeah. stuff like that. And then maybe having shows and events that showcase the work that this relationship created, perhaps. I don't know. That might no, be yeah. yeah, that's something that we we've 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 been thinking about because I think it's very easy to complain about uh, I mean, I, I think it's very easy to complain. Yeah. And I think <laughs> like why complain when you could do something about yeah, you, it, you know? gotta do something. And and I think you're you you are of the mind. Uh, knowing a little bit of your history and what you've done here with this program, that uh, you're more of a doer than a than a complainer. So, <laughs> I mean, I certainly complain a lot, but I also well, I do too. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. But that's because we're human. 
Um, so you, so you mentioned, uh, Rick Bell since he is like being one of your design heroes. Um, who, what are, who are some of the other, the other people that have like inspired you or some of the designers that you've, that you look up to or that? Well, there, there's a lot of people, I mean, too many to name. And some of the ones that I named like, uh, Sagmeister and, and Valisani mm. and people like that and Brody and, and, mm. uh, uh, Chris Ashworth and, uh, the, um, uh, Ian from uh, Designers Republic and and yeah. alike. I mean, those are uh, you know. But, oh, here's a really interesting story. I went to Seattle last week. Mm -hmm. and I went to go see a house, and we called a realtor, who we texted, and he goes, uh, you know, obviously when I text, he sees that it's from Carlos Segura, and he goes, "Is this really Carlos Segura?" And I go, "Yeah, it's Carlos <laughs> Segura. Why?" He goes, "Because I used to work." At Woody Pirtle. I don't know if you guys know who Woody Pirtle is from Pushpin Studios. He uh -huh. this guy changed the face of graphic design. Yeah. Anyway, he says, We're we were just absolutely huge fans of yours. And uh, I can't believe that I'm gonna be showing a house to Woody to Carlos Segura and <laughs> Woody Pirtle that always talks about him like and I'm telling you, man, I was such a huge fan of Woody Pirtle. I just could not. I mean, the name alone, Woody Pirtle is amazing. <laughs> So, um, but to answer your question in a bigger scope, I think that my influences have been more uh, global in scope than specific. And this is what I mean. Mm -hmm. When I was first coming into the ad agency world, and by the way, I got into the ad agency world because I, because I had no education, I really didn't know there was a difference between design and advertising. Yeah. By accident, I got into advertising. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that always inspired me, two of the things, was the typographical uh, aesthetics of British type direction mm -hmm. and the visual aesthetics of Japanese uh, design of the late 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal was to go work for Dentsu, which I got an offer to do in 1989. And we were going to go move to Japan with my copywriter as a team. And at the time, Japan had very high quotas for creatives. They had separate quotas for writers and designers. Mm -hmm. And when the moment came for us to leave, the art director quota had been filled. So I couldn't go, but the writer quota was open. Mm -hmm. And so... That was the fork in the road for me where my writer went to Japan and I stayed here and started Segura Inc. That's why I started Segura. Mm, okay. Um, but I was always motivated by, by those two things with the goal of trying to inject as much commercial art into, I'm sorry, most fine art in commercial art as I could. Yeah. With typography and, and aesthetics of, of just cleanliness and, and beauty and, and uh, concept. So that's kind of the rule I've been following my whole career is uh, uh, trying to bring those two things and unifying them in in uh, advertising and design. Yeah, and that's kind of the the method that I've followed. Yeah, it hasn't left me. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at so the the entire like emigre uh, collect like archive is online. And sometimes mm -hmm. I, I go for them for just, you know, to, to, to read. 
And um, and surprisingly, before recording this episode a few days ago, like I just picked like a random issue and I, and I have it pulled up here and it was issue 65, which mm-hmm. is the one that you were featured in where someone was asking you, like, why do you use Helvetica? Um, like, I what do you remember? Can you read it to me? What did I say? <laughs> so you so someone asked, why do you use Helvetica? And you said, I use Helvetica and fonts like it because it seems to best capture the sense of clarity and cleanliness prevalence in our current visual landscape. From architecture to furnishings to design, there seems to be a desire for simplicity that this type of typography feels at home with. Okay. Do, you, do, you, do you remember that? Do you, would, you, would you say you still agree with, with that statement? I don't remember. I don't even remember <laughs> the article, to be honest with you, but I, I'm, I, I still believe that. Okay. Uh, I will I will expand on that a little bit just for the spirit of clarity. I don't believe that we should all default to that. Mm-hmm. I think that again, everything is available at your fingertips on the web, and there's never been more options in the world in the history of the planet for you to do typographical ex- experiments. Um, but I do believe that you should always tr- work hard to find the right font for the right project, not the right font that's installed on your computer. Yeah, the right font. That's that's right for the project. Yeah. Now, have I been guilty of violating that rule every once in a while? Eh, maybe. <laughs> but but I mean, you know, it's 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 really a good habit to fall into to kind of do your due diligence with typography. Yeah. I am one that always ends to begin with the typographical spirit of the message. I always yeah. begin with typography. Yeah. And that leads me to other things. Yeah. And then an- another question that you were asked was, um, do you use Helvetica to show allegiance to a certain approach or style or to a certain ideology? And your answer was no. Absolutely. Um, do you, would you continue? Like you still stand by yeah. that? What year was this, by the way? This was in, um, I believe, uh, 2003. Jesus Christ, man. I'm losing yeah. my mind. what issue was that uh issue 65 i could send you a link please (laughs) i want to read my own article (laughs) but but i mean sometimes yeah sometimes looking through through these through these publications like it's just yeah it's just so it's so interesting to sort of see things documented and just to sort of have an archive of things of of yeah stories from 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 time ago um, and that's something that I really miss. Like, that's something that I always feel like is, I mean, we have, obviously there's online articles and things like that, but I think with emigre, like there is a very particular experience of, you know, the surprise and like the novelty of looking at a particular spread and, uh, and just like studying it and like holding it up to your face. You like, just like <laughs> a really interesting uh, point that uh, I often think about which is a good and and bad, I guess, uh, observation, which is, I mean, all these, you know, this podcast, for example, that we're doing the presentations and they're all digital. They're all like on the web yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it's great. I mean, it's absolutely amazing because as I mentioned, you know, for the, the one I did with Christo, I reached people all over the world that I would just absolutely have never had mm-hmm. the opportunity to do, right? Okay, so that's the good part. The bad part, however, is that, and I akin it to like my entire life's history of images is an iPhoto or photos now. Yeah. My laptop. When I die, 
my life is gone. <laughs> I didn't exist, right? Because there's no photo albums, there's no yeah. you know physical things. And to your point about this Emma Gray article, wouldn't it be absolutely beautiful if all these interviews and podcasts mm -hmm. that are out there today, that are one day going to disappear, mm -hmm. be printed in book form and, and be archived in a beautiful library and for future generations to see and touch and feel and flip the pages like you're doing with this yeah. Emigrate 65, yeah. telling what I said back in 2003, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just miss that. And that's the thing that I love about print is that yeah. you can rehab every time you open that book. Yeah. I, I was talking with, um, with, with, uh, so one of our, one of our, um, recent guests was Patrick King. And he yeah. was telling us about some of the typography that he worked with Rick Valsenti back in the day. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me how he, he had to revisit those files and yeah. how it was very difficult for him to be able to, for his computer to open up these files that are no longer compatible <laughs> with the technology today. So even just the idea of not even being able to access things that you were you know, able to access, you know, 20 years ago to me, Not just, only that you were able to access things that you created. Exactly. Wow. And it's, and it's just, it's scary to think that one day you might not even be able to experience your own work. <laughs> Sorry. Another, another, uh, skateboard, you know, um, I just spent the last, uh, I don't know, two, three years re redoing my website. And the reason it took so long is because I had to, um, literally reshoot every single thing because I couldn't yeah. open most of the projects. And there's so many beautiful, beautiful, beautiful projects that we did as a team back in the day that I would mm -hmm. love to be able to put on an archive section of our site, but I just, I just cannot. First of all, I don't have the copies of the pieces anymore that I can't reshoot and I can't open the files. And it's a real shame. It's yeah. a real shame that those things are gone forever. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so what do you, so what do you, so how do you go about archiving things now? Do you, do you, do you like, for example, if you work on a website, do you print screenshots of it and just file them somewhere? Or, yeah, or... I'm actually an, I mean, I am such an organized person that almost a hundred percent of every friend I've ever had makes fun of me for it. <laughs> it's it, I bring it to a ridiculous state and I admit it on, in public here. Um, but um, I definitely am very organized and, you know, funny point even to the degree that i'm organized i still can't find some shit that i did a few years ago <laughs> and the stuff that i can't find i can't open yeah. so sometimes it doesn't help but one of the things that i have begun to do is every four or five years i will reopen and this is so anal i'm, I'm ashamed to admit it i'll reopen <laughs> every file that i have and resave it with a newer version of that software okay gives me an additional five to ten years to look at it yeah. Last last uh, year, I spent almost nine months renaming every single file on my computer. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. That's how anal I am about organization. I feel like that's that's the point where you 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 might uh, benefit from an assistant or from someone else. Right. <laughs> you know, I know that someone's going to listen to this and they're going to think to yourself bullshit carlos didn't do that he doesn't have time <laughs> to do that he's not gonna do that but i swear to head my my hand to god i <laughs> actually did it i actually did it yeah. now i didn't do it in one sitting i do you know 
15 minutes a day, blah, blah, blah. Because I mean, it's impossible. You'd go insane, but, but yeah, uh, yeah no, I did it. And, and it worked for most of the files. So do you, do you also, um, cause I, I love your website and do you, do you build, do you code it or how do you, how do you go about that, that website? Actually, I used to have my website. It used to be a custom site. Mm-hmm. And then I switched to Squarespace many years ago, and then Squarespace uh, went to version two point oh, and I think they got a little bit too conservative, so I switched to Cargo. Okay. And my current site is built on Cargo, which is slightly modified, but not too much. Okay. I uh, think that this is another thing I often see websites that are so full of trickery and animations and this and that, and I mean they're amazing. But mm-hmm. my only observation would be that it's cool for the first or second or maybe even third or fourth or fifth time you visit the site, but then it just gets in the way. Yeah. So I'm a huge believer of the content being king, and that's what needs. That's what you're there to see. Okay. So that's I just approach it in such a simplistic way that it's yes, it's a website, but it's really just a, a por- an online portfolio is what okay. it is. So that's Got all it is. Yeah. And that's all I want it to be. I don't want it to be anything else. Yeah. Cause I mean, you want the work to speak for itself. You don't want the work to be overshadowed by a fancy cursor or, yeah, you know, yeah. some sort of special. Effect. And again, just to be clear, I'm not dissing anybody. <laughs> I think some of the stuff that I see on, on, on the, well, most of the stuff is just utterly amazing. And I could yeah. never do it myself ever, period. Mm-hmm. But I just, for me, I think that I just want to have the work up there. And that's the end of that. Yeah. Awesome. So we're, we're almost at time. And um, before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. Um, it's been great. And I think every time I, every time I get a chance to speak with you, or every time I hear you speak, I feel like I'm always learning something new about you. Thank um, you, man. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so before we wrap up, um, if anyone wants to find you or if anyone wants to reach out, uh, you seem to be, you're, you're very responsive. Um, so it's safe to say that people could just reach out to you via Instagram or your email or any of that stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm active on every single platform, on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the... Uh, when you go to my website, segura-inc.com, there's a little plus sign on the upper right-hand corner. If you click on that, you can uh, join my newsletter or contact me from there. Um, ideally, it would be better to do it via email, but I can certainly respond via Instagram. I tend not to be too, a little bit more careful on social because I do get a lot of spam and a lot of people trying to you know, do this, that, or the other. And I don't know who people are, so sometimes I'm a little bit careful. But mm-hmm. just send me; and I'm, I'd be happy to communicate with anybody that wants to reach out. I'm I'm pretty accessible. Awesome. And happy to be also. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carlos. This was thank great. You, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy your time in Barcelona. Oh my God, uh, I cannot wait. I just cannot wait. I absolutely so, love it. So you won't be back in Chicago till next year. I won't be back. Well, I'll be back at the end of uh, the last day of November, and then I'll be here for a week, but then I'm gone for until May. Yeah. So. And does your dog go with you? You have a dog, right? No. Yeah, I have a dog. It's going to be painful because I have to leave him, and it's just, 
he doesn't like it and i don't like it and nobody's happy yeah yeah nobody's happy <laughs> he, he kind of knows he's already looking at me <laughs> i swear to god he knows i don't know how the hell he knows yeah <clears throat> awesome man well thank you so much 